Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on this episode, I have the one and only. He is the host of Scoop B Radio, dropping all the exclusive, getting all the inside information. He's also a contributor to Heavy.com. The one and only Brandon Robinson, a.k.a. Scoop B. What's going on, sir? Brother, I'm hanging in. Thank you for having me on. It's been a very, very busy week. I man, I'm sure it has. It's been a busy two weeks for you, if you if you ask me. I mean, you've been dropping a lot of great content, man, and dropping some exclusives, man, that went viral and national, dare I say. Um, first of all, I want to get into a tweet uh, that you put out there. You said, "Hey, I'm credentialed." Now I know uh, you have been covering the NBA for quite some time, but have been having some issues with trying to get access into events. So, what did you mean by? that tweet that I'm credentialed? Um, that I validate myself. Um, it doesn't matter uh, whether a particular individual in, a, in, in the league office and, and that person knows who he is and I you know, hope he's doing well, but um, that particular person has, has been, you know, denying me uh, credentials for a while and, and never really giving me a reason why as to why. And, you know, you know heavy.com, the, the, the site where I'm a senior writer, uh, for, you know, does well, you know, last month they did 25 million views just in the sports department itself. Uh, myself, I got a million views on that site uh, last month and, you know, I credential myself and be looking out for credential apparel uh, releasing next month. Okay. <laughs> All right. I like that. Yes, so sir. Let, let's get back into, because I want to talk a little bit about your journey, man, and how you got into it. I know a lot of people see you, they see the, the, the quote unquote finished product, but they don't understand the grind and, and the grit it took for you to get to this point where you are breaking stories, where you are making national head waves. Uh, how did, how did Scoop B become Scoop B? Um, well, it, it started in 1997 uh, when I was the co-host of a show called Net Slam and Planet. Um, which is already was a radio show on 6:20 a.m. 101 Sports, uh, which is now defunct in New York City, uh, as well as 16:60 a.m. Eyes World Radio, uh, which is also defunct. And I was a kids' radio show for the New Jersey Nets. Uh, this was during the Sam Cassell, Jason Williams uh, era, 
And, um, you know, I've been around the league for a long time. I, I remember when Adrian Wojnarowski was covering the Nets with the Bergen Record uh, newspaper. I uh, was in sharing a lot with him. Uh, Chris Broussard, when he was covering the Nets and the Knicks for the New York Times. And I was around Stephen A. Smith uh, when he covered the 76ers for the Philadelphia Inquirer. So, you know, I've been around for about 23 years. Uh, I'm telling my age, I'm 30, I'll am be 35 at the end of next month. And, um, you know, I've, I've, it's, it's kind of refreshing to see the Bulls uh, documentary coming up because, you know, the 98 season, the last dance, I was in that locker room um, and, wow. and around those guys. So I'm not new, um, but I only did that show for two years and I went back to being a regular high school or grade school, going to get ready to go to high school kid and then went to college, you know, so I basically went to school, came back. Um, in between that, you know, I've been a, a writer at The Source magazine. Um, I've been a, a managing editor at Respect magazine. I've been at CBS Radio um, and, you know, Basketball Society. So, you know, I've been around a long time. Relationships are everything. Now, I, I got to stop you for a second because you said something very, very important. You were in the locker room in that 98, with that 98 team? Yeah. What was that atmosphere like, man? You got to describe it. So I'll tell you a story. <laughs> so today's Saturday. Um, we're, we're, we're talking, and I had um, Scott Burrell on Scoopy Radio, which dropped today. Um, Scott Burrell was a net after he was a bull. Mm. And Scott and I stayed in touch ever since, and I saw the, the whole preview with you know, he and Michael going at it, and um, I thought it was pretty cool. And uh, you know we talked about it. Scott will be a part, a, will be part of that portion of the Bulls. But um, j just to answer your question directly, I distinctly remember the Bulls for this reason. I'll tell you a story. Um, I remember it was a, it was an afternoon game. The Nets were playing the Bulls at the old Meadowlands Arena in East Rutherford, New Jersey, and um, uh, the Nets locker room, or excuse me, the visitors locker room at the Meadowlands, it had this squeaky door. Like it needed WD-40. And every time you open the door, e -e -e -e, in and out. Um, you ask the old 90s vets about that, they'll tell you. So I walk in the locker room. Uh, there was like one of those old TV sets that you had when you had like, when you watch movie day in school or they put mm -hmm. in that TV. So it's that in the locker room. The locker room's like an old hockey locker room. Like an old hockey, yeah, it was a hockey locker room. Visiting locker room. So you go in this room, and as soon as you open the door, you see Dennis Rodman sitting in flannel pajama pants. And he's got ankle socks with those balls on them. Do you remember those back in the day? <laughs> so Dennis is watching film. He's watching Jason Williams. Jason Williams was like the, one of the top three rebounders in the NBA at that point. And he and Jason had to go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Dennis is watching. It's an afternoon game. So Dennis is sitting in the locker room at like 10, 10.30 in the morning watching film by himself. So that locker room was like, it was terrible as it was. It was a breeding ground for, you know, success, I guess, that particular day. I'll never forget it because before the game started, um, I, did, I hosted my morning show at the arena um before the game and after the game I got to play basketball on the court that was like a big thing when you were a kid to be able to play basketball on the 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 NBA team's court before or after a game now 
I change my clothes. I had brunch at the arena and I go back in the locker room. I turn to my left. There's this room where, you know, they have the area where people can't go, like where the player is. I open the door. I look to my left. I see Tex Winter. I look further. I see Phil Jackson. I look up. You know who I saw. The goat. I look at him. He looks at me. He smiles. I go, oh. I'm thinking to myself, why the hell aren't you in my damn TV? You're supposed to be on the NBA on NBC. He smiles. He goes, how you doing, man? I couldn't say anything because I was just so shocked. Right. I went to the courtroom for, uh, you know, layup lines or just whatever he was doing. I'll never forget that day as long as I live. Man, that's awesome, man. I'm definitely looking forward to this 10-part series. I'm so glad that the four-letter network decided to bump it up early to give mm -hmm. us all something to enjoy and watch. Uh, what what things are you looking forward to with this with this ten part series? Um, the dynamics of 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 Dennis, Michael, and Scotty. Um, I know members of that Bulls team. Actually, spoke to a member of the Bulls team, not named Scott Morrell, last week, um, and we just talked about just what people will really be able to see uh, with that team. You know, I've spoken to people in the past that said literally Michael, Dennis, and Scotty did not talk to each other outside of the court. Um, I've heard stories about Dennis. They said that sometimes he would go missing a week at a time. Um, Dennis, you know, he had different babysitters who would watch him. You know, like I've heard stories of Steve Kerr, Phil Jackson, and others taking turns, making sure he was all right. I've heard stories about about Dennis Rodman where Madonna advised him on how to get the Bulls to put those jerseys in his contract. Because remember, he used to throw those jerseys into the crowd. Mm-hmm. So, like, how that was a marketing ploy. And then you see how that spurred guys like Gilbert Arenas to do the same thing years later. So, I'm interested to see the dynamic of Dennis Rodman and, and Scotty and Michael for sure. Yeah, one thing I'm definitely looking forward to is watching the, the different types of shoes that Michael wore during those championship years. Because to me, you know, being a shoe head, man, you try to figure out, like, damn, I remember those kicks or – Man, he wore those back in '92. Okay, he wore those at the '90 with the '96 Bulls. Okay, the '97 Bulls. So I think that's an interesting dynamic as well. But I think definitely want to see the dynamic between Scotty, Michael, and and Dennis Rodman because I think that was a complete surprise to a lot of people back then that those three could coexist and actually Dennis would want to join the Bulls um, in that capacity, especially him already winning championships and being the Dennis Rodman that we all know and and most of us love with uh, the pistol. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On those courts. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting. You bring up Dennis Rodman. Um, you, do you realize that that was Dennis Rodman being traded to the Bulls was one of the first moves that Greg Popovich made during his time with the Spurs? You know what? I didn't realize that until probably a few weeks ago when somebody had mentioned that I didn't realize that he traded, he was traded for Will Purdue. You're absolutely right. Again, I was a kid seeing Michael Jordan in his prime. So I was just getting accustomed to back then in the 90s, because 90s were a different time of basketball, whether it was pro or college. Like you had UNLV, you had the Fab Five, which was something totally new when it came to college college basketball. Um, and then you had, obviously, the, 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 the Bulls era um, when they went on there to 
their two runs of, of having championships. So basketball, which is totally different back then, man. Like, so a lot of things that I'm, I'm remembering, but, you know, as a kid, you're watching it in real time. It's like you don't really understand the impact of what transpired until later on when you get older. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. The Bulls inspired a generation. And it's funny because, you know, I was having this conversation uh, with my lawyer yesterday in the sense of um, just how surreal it is for me to have been around that team towards the end. And she was like, you covered the whole time. I said, no. I said, actually, I was influenced by the 91 team on because my stepfather is from the west side of Chicago. He grew up down okay. literally on the street from the United Center. And so I said, I feel like I'm, I, was, I was honored to cover the end of the dynasty. And the, so like the Bulls inspired a generation. I can't say that anymore. Like I told her, I said, we're at a point where we're our parents in the sense of when we were coming up, their Lakers or Celtics or wh wherever your denomination of, of, of liking a team comes from. I, you know, you're L.A., I'm, I'm New York, but we, we, the Bulls, everybody liked Michael. So it, at the end of the day, we're at the point in our life now where we're now chronicling our journey of what our era looked like. And the funny thing is, three years ago, I don't think that was fathomable, and, I, and, I, and I'll tell you why. So Kenny Smith came on the Scooby Radio podcast a few years ago, and I asked him a question that went viral in the sense of, I said, had Michael Jordan not retired, would the Bulls still have won those two championships? Would your Rockets have won them? And he said, we would have beat them, no question. That conversation found its way to the jump. Amin was on there. Scooby Rachel Radio. Nichols was on there. Um, uh, 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 Byron Scott was on there. Scotty was on there. And Scotty made a point to say that Kenny uh, forgets one thing. Uh, my job was to cut the head off of a snake. Byron Scott said nobody was talking about the Rockets like that. And Amin kind of chimed in and agreed. I don't think that we as a culture were quite ready to have that conversation about the Bulls as an iconic team although we knew it because it was the 90s we're now retroing everything and it's like a right time at this point to make that thing happen i've always said that the bulls and the fab five dictated the culture right and i and dare i say i throw in the the, the unlv running rebels with larry johnson and and, and greg anthony and, and uh and those guys you know anderson hunt and you know, Stacey Augman and those guys with Tark. Uh, I think that kicked it off. I think when you look at the, as the evolution of the culture continue to elevate, I think you have to give a lot of credit to the Bulls of the 90s, and I think you have to give a lot of credit to the Fab Five because they changed the dynamic. I agree, but the, and I think the Bulls were a lot cleaner. Not clean as in dirty or not. I just think that to, to America, the Bulls were a lot more palatable, A, because of Michael, because of Scotty and, and 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 they just were America's team. America wasn't ready for the Fab Five. The Fab Five of what they did was not normal. Um, and it took the Fab Five and it took Allen Iverson um, to make that thing normal. Look at Russell Westbrook. Look at John Morant. Look right. at LeBron James. Look at look at just certain guys. They were all influenced by, if not Michael and the Bulls or Allen Iverson, the Fab Five. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
you made you made some interesting head waves when you you sat down with with Stefan Marbury, uh, which was a great conversation, by the way. Thank and you. Stefan, which I I kind of agree with those same sentiments, is that how can you have a conversation about who's the best between LeBron and Michael Jordan when you can when you just kind of gloss over Kobe Bryant, who Kobe was a guy that mirrored Michael Jordan more so than LeBron James. Um, talk to me a little bit about just talking with, with Stefan Marbury. Did you expect that type of conversation to happen between you and, and Marbury? Well, you know, again, Steph and I go back to the 90s when he was in net as well. Um, and you know how I feel about your city. I love L.A. Um, I think that I always have respect for L.A. because y'all show love. What I will say is, as it relates to uh, what Stefan said, I think that, again, we're at a point where we're really dissecting the 90s. Um, a, a, a former player told me this recently. They said to me they enjoyed watching Kobe Bryant play because they were Michael Jordan when Michael Jordan left. And I think Stefan is right about Kobe and his significance. Had Kendall Gill on the Scoopy Radio podcast, and Kendall said that Kobe mirrored Michael to the letter. Um, I say that to say LeBron is not Michael, but I don't think LeBron was ever trying to be Michael. I think LeBron was always trying to be LeBron. And I think that we as a culture always feel like somebody has to be put in a box. And I'll use this example that makes so much sense and will bring clarity to this whole argument. When Alicia Keys came out, was she a rapper? Was she a piano player? Was she a singer? What was she? When she brought when she brought Jay-Z on the New York track, it didn't even matter anymore. Whether you were in Europe, whether you were in LA, whether you were in Chicago, whether you were in Mars, you knew that New York track song, Love It or Hate It. When the Yankees won, they played it. And I feel like at the end of the day, uh, when you look at LeBron, I think LeBron is one of the best athletes to ever play. In my opinion, LeBron is a more muscular Magic Johnson with a better jumper. And I and I think he is the NBA's Bo Jackson. Dude, you hit the nail on the head because I've always compared LeBron more so to, to Magic Johnson um, than, than Michael Jordan just because of the style of his game. And I, I agree with you. I think he was a much better shooter. He's a much better shooter. Um, but the way that him and Magic see the floor, man, is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. It's yep. almost geometric the way they see the floor. And that's scary. Yep. And yep. That's why we friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, because when you look at the dynamic, man, and the one thing I will say, when I saw when, when I saw Skip Bayless on Undisputed mention what you said, I said, okay, my man, my man is in the stratosphere now. My man is in the stratosphere. And so it was so great to see you get that recognition that you so well deserved. Uh, because I know how much hard work you put into what you do, man. It's not easy getting a million views a month or getting however many, you know, several million, if not thousands, hundred thousands of views that you get on Scoop B Radio um, and other things that you do, man. You just pretty much like Visa, man. You're everywhere everybody wants to be. And to, to, to see that hard work and dedication, I don't think a lot of people, especially younger people, need to really pay attention to that because I think what you said on earlier as far as the relationship factor and be able to cultivate those relationships that you've done over the years and continue to do, I think is very, very important. 
Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And, I, and I'll, I'll say, man, I, I've been in this reflective space. Um, it's funny because I'm thankful Skip mentioned me. He didn't at me, and I'm not complaining. But the funny thing is, when, some, when I found out about it, I don't follow Skip on Twitter. Somebody screenshotted it and texted, sent me a text message. You know what I was doing when I got the text message? Working. <laughs> when I saw it, I, I kind of had to take a step back because it's like, wow. But at the same time, I'm not surprised because that's where I'm supposed to be. I yeah. think that I'm glad the journey was, was, has been because I'm still grinding. I'm glad the journey um, has been difficult because I, I'll use this example. Um, I feel like when LeBron James came into the league, it was just expected he was going to win multiple championships. LeBron had to bust his ass every step of the way. LeBron should have won the championship in 2015 against the Warriors. But Kevin Love was hurt. Kyrie got hurt. And a lot of times, Steph Curry and the Warriors have gotten in LeBron's way. The same way when you look back in history, you know, you look at the ones that Kobe didn't win against the Pistons and the Celtics. How will we be heralding Kobe at this point? If, in fact, he had seven championships, I feel yeah. like not comparing myself to LeBron and Kobe, but I think I appreciate my journey a lot more because when I think right. about basketball because I've had turbulence. I've had, you know, you know, I've been wrong about certain things. But, man, the moments where I got stuff right, like, like Anthony Davis coming to the Lakers and that on social media was able to connect me to you and then we meet each other at a 2K party out the blue. Yeah, or, man. You know, like, <laughs> That, that makes it all worth it. Yeah, absolutely, man. So tell me, how has this coronavirus affected you? I know you said you're working, but how has it affected you from a, uh, just from a work standpoint, personally, uh, mentally? Um, I'll tell you that they all intertwine. Um, I am originally uh, from New Jersey, but grew up in both Jersey and New York City um, and have family in both. Um, I live in New Jersey currently, and I've always been back and forth, kicking it with family, friends, making sure everybody's all right. Um, working from home is nothing new for me. However, um, I'm checking in on a lot of family. I have family who are hairstylists who can't do people's hair right now, and it's a struggle. Um, I have family who are educators. I have family who are in school, and you know, everybody in my region is home. Um, I'll tell you that I think it really dawned on me how it bothered me. Um, it's when um, Jackie Cruz down, Jackie Cruz Towns uh, died. Uh, I knew her well. I know her son, Carl. Uh, I know her husband. I spoke to him a couple of days ago. Um, bro, that hurt me um, because I know the type of person that Miss Miss Towns was. Um, I know her spirit. Um, and that, I think the, it, I think that's where my personal and my and my business blurred. Um, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine who was a, a producer at a network, and you know he talked about how sometimes you have to rec recuse yourself from certain coverage um, if you're a journalist. Um, I knew about Miss Towns uh, being sick before the national media knew. And that was one story that I didn't feel comfortable reporting. 
I, I struggled with it because I put myself in Carl's situation and asked myself, how would I feel if somebody knew something about my mother and they reported it before I got a chance to tell my story? I would be pretty pissed at that writer. And at that point, it wasn't about being first. It wasn't about being accurate. It was about doing the right thing. I struggled with that. That's an ethics thing that, that I've never dealt with before. Um, but, I, but more than anything else, she was a quality person um, that, I, that I respected. And I was going through text messages talking to her and, um, you know, just like, wow, she was a beautiful woman, encouraging, kind, nice, a pillar in the community. And, um, you know, this, this coronavirus thing has taken a lot of good people. And this, it's a silent killer because you really don't know where it's coming from. And it's, 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 it's disheartening. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thoughts and prayers out to the, the town's family. Uh, have you heard from Carl at all uh, at, at any point? Uh, I, was, I had not spoken to Carl Jr. I've spoken to Carl Sr., um, okay. his father. Uh, I spoke to him two days ago. And um, he's, okay. hanging, you know, I, I, I call and check up on him. And, um, you know, I know that he's eating. The most important thing I'll ask him is, are you eating? Are you okay? Are you, I'm trying to find some Lysol for him. Um, so if anybody's listening, if you got to connect to the Lysol, let me know. But, you know, just really and truly, like, the Towns family is such a good family. Like, they're, they're, they're like, they're, they're genuine. They're good people and um, have always given me their time. Um, and, and they have this, this, um, they have this, this run and this walk that they do every year in Bluefield, New Jersey, um, uh, in, in the fall. Um, and I go every year through UNICEF and, um, you know, I, I, I would imagine that if, you know, they have it right before Carl goes to camp, I would imagine that if they have it this fall, it'll totally be dedicated to the honor of this cruise towns. And, you know, I, 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 um, I have a great deal of respect for her. The last time that I spoke with her in person was actually, uh, standing outside while she was sitting in the car and Carl was sitting in the car with her. And, um, you know, just her spirit. She was quiet but observant and very protective of her family. Um, and, and, and her and her husband are, are like I said, pillars in the community, man. And I'm um, keeping them in prayers. Absolutely. I remember meeting Carl Anthony Towns like right before he got drafted. He came out to LA, man. He was just such a cool, down to earth guy, man. And you really wanted him to do well no matter where he decided, you know, where he was drafted. And I kind of hinted, I was messing around with him. I said, hey, man, it'd be nice to be a. Uh, some purple and gold, huh? He said, "Yeah, LA's a nice place." You know, he kinda, <laughs> he said, he's often there in the off season. Yeah, yeah. We kind of he kind of joked around with it, you know. But he was like, "Hey, man, wherever I go, I'm just happy to get you know accomplish my dream." And I said, "Man, man, I wish you the best, bro." You know, and he and you you really want him to do well. You know, when you come in contact with certain players and guys, and you see the genuineness and you see the the, the humbleness that they have and the and the, and the straightforwardness that they have. You always want guys like that to do well, no matter where they go. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I'll tell you a quick story. So I know I'm full of stories, but. Um, <laughs> That's why you me. Sources say. Uh, so <laughs> I was with Carl. Um, he was drafted, and I was in the room with him when Flip Saunders called him. And he promised Flip Saunders a championship. Mm. He never, 
he hasn't done it yet. D'Angelo Russell is there, and you know, but but to me, if I'm Carl, um, I'm sure basketball is the last thing on my mind. So I'll sure. preface it with it would be cool um, to have some motivation. I'll leave it like that. Oh, absolutely. Last thing before I let you get on out of here, man. Will we have sports and the NBA and the WNBA in 2020? Uh, from the NBA perspective, last I've heard anywhere from 40% yes to 60% no. Mm. Um, I have heard, as I've said on Twitter, and I mean it, I'm retired. I don't like to put stuff out like that no more because people hold me to the letter. I will right. tell you what I've heard. I have heard that there could be anything from um, a, a return where you have six to eight games of a playoff. Um, so you have those, you know, those, those, those uh, teams in the Western Conference like the Blazers who, you know, are on the outside looking in, who have a chance to kind of go toe-to-toe with the Grizzlies who are an eighth seed currently. And, you know, okay. um, you know, so you have six to eight games where they can try to kind of figure that out and potentially get to the eighth seed. But after that six to eight game regular season resume, you know, the playoffs start. Um, I have heard no games. I have heard some games I have heard they'll resume the season in June or July or August. And then after that's over, then the regular season next season could start on Christmas like it did in 2011 when Derrick Rose and the Bulls beat the Lakers at Staples Center that game. And I've just heard a myriad of different things. To be honest with you personally, Stefan Marbury said this on Old School B Radio, really and truly the NBA needs to take a step back. Um, because it's so much bigger than just being entertained. These are people's lives. Yeah. So Absolutely. that's 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 my stance on it, but you never know, honestly. Yeah, I like the way you threw that fact in that the Bulls beat the Lakers on Christmas Day back in 11. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. Let's see what happened. <laughs> hey, man, it's all good. It happens, bro. Thank you so much. Scoop B, let everybody know where they can continue to follow you and catch up on the latest of what's going on in the world of you, Scoop B. You know the vibes. Follow me on Twitter at Scoop B, Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B, and make sure, most importantly, to subscribe to the Scoop B Radio podcast, which is available on all podcasting networks. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitch app, everywhere, or simply um, by visiting ScoopBRadio.com. Nick Hamilton's been on Scoopy Radio, so you know it's official, like a ref oh, with a Please, man, like an owner with a pistol. There you go. There you go. There you go. Hello. Tell him one more time in the back. Thank you so much, Brandon Robinson, a.k.a. Scoopy, for taking time out here on the NH Experience. I'll my talk brother. to you soon, my man. Be safe out there, bro. You too, my man. I'll talk to you. We got to get the Likers playing soon. The Likers. <laughs> there you go. Scoop B Radio. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 